0: Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated and surprising. I'm your host Steve Malkin. Today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as host of ABC TV's Good Game and Good Game SP, lover of Battlestar Galactica, hater of licorice. Views expressed here do not reflect that of the ABC. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's addition to the Humans of Twitter list, Steph Bendixson.
1: Yay, it's me, I'm here.
0: (laughs) Oh, Steph, hello, the most musical hello yet. (laughs) Can I start by asking, in social settings, how do you introduce yourself?
1: Oh, I usually introduce myself as Steph, um, Mm -hmm. uh, unless I'm kind of at an event where... People are expecting me to be introduced as Hex, but um, Hex is my gamertag. It's not like an alter ego or a persona or anything like that. So it's, yeah.
0: But you still answer to it like Steph though, don't you? Yeah,
1: sure. I mean, I'll answer, yeah, I'll answer either.
0: It it must be, because for for the most of us, when we play games and those sorts of things and we create our gamertag, the most that you might hear it mentioned is, you know, in a, a conversation during the game and that kind of thing never in real life, and yet that's a reality for you.
1: Well, it's kind of good because um, I'm not great with faces and names, so when someone yells out Hex in public, I, I, I can tell them they're usually a fan of the show, whereas if someone <laughs> yells out my name, I'm like, okay, did we go to school together? Have we worked together at some point? Do we have some kind of personal <laughs> like history <laughs> that I've forgotten about? So it helps me a little bit. when <laughs> I'm very vague when I walk through life.
0: Well, vague can help though. But I'd imagine that hearing the the, the call of hex also allows you to steal yourself. In that, um, if it's just a normal human, you can react, you know, a certain way. But given that it's a fan, it's like, well, not that you wouldn't. Like, I don't mean that to oh, sound disingenuous, but it's preparing yourself.
1: Too. Everyone's pretty lovely. <laughs> I have been <laughs> I have been hug tackled a few times. <laughs> That's the only thing I need to prepare myself for sometimes.
0: You are a slight little thing And I'm sure that you could come off the, Very much the second best in those things
1: <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot of people think I'm taller than I am I'm five foot four, or like roughly 163, 164 centimetres So I think people, because I'm sitting down on TV I think people expect me to be taller than I am It's one of the most common things people say When they meet me for the first time Is you're shorter than I expected <laughs>
0: <laughs> You get, and that's, that's something I think That um, shouldn't be stepped past Because when we look at Television, generally speaking, who do we see when they're sitting down? We see newsreaders, we see breakfast TV presenters. Everyone else is usually standing up, Steph.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's pretty funny when um, uh, Bajo and I have to stand in shot. I usually have to stand on a little box, a little apple box, so that um, <laughs> when otherwise, you know, he's if they want to do a close up, it's just his head and then the top of my head is all. Is all <laughs> or that's his shoulders and your face. Yeah, yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> but he is also a monster of a man, so. <laughs> Steph, you've uh, just recorded – at time that we record this podcast, you've just uh, recently recorded the 10th anniversary special for Good Game mm-hmm. that signifies your 10th season with the show as far as the, the Big Brother show. That's a massive milestone. Congratulations.
1: Oh, thanks. I've been on the show actually for seven years, but the show itself has been running for 10. So,
0: Oh, that's right. I'd get, I my math in, is horrible on this. I
1: know, you're right. I joined in 2009 and um, – because I was actually quite a big fan of the show before I was on it, which is why it was super exciting for me to get this job. Because I remember watching it with friends back in the day and being like, how cool would that be? Like, what an amazing job. And I would watch the show every week. And then to actually be kind of step through that surreal window and and be on the set and sitting in the chair was, you know, one of the most bizarre experiences of my life. But I'm so glad it happened.
0: And you've totally made... Uh, it, it your own. I, I think we we had a conversation not long after, or a year or so into you starting in the role, and uh, at that point, I think uh, for you, some of the reality of being uh, air quotes role model was just kicking in. What's it like now?
1: I mean, it's it's amazing. At the time when I joined the show, it was under quite controversial circumstances, but I think the show has grown so much since then, and um, you know, the advice that Janet. Uh, Gator, the, the um, producer and creator of good game, good game gave me at the time was to you know I, I just let my work speak for me and and then I wouldn't have to work so hard at proving myself and and so that's what I did and, and over time you know I think people realized that I was who I said I was and and I think they just were really excited to come on this journey with both Barjo and I as as unashamed you know, lovers of video games and we all kind of share that passion and that's what makes the show so great. When we were recording the um, 10th birthday special um, a lot of people were asking if we would have a junglist on the show um, and we certainly did reach out to him to ask if he wanted to be a part of the show in any way um, but we just you know we didn't hear back from him which was to be expected but he was um, he did appear certainly in a lot of the um, sort of retrospective pieces that we do which we'll see next week when the show goes to air, but there was this beautiful moment when we were recording it as we were kind of going through the history of the show and all of the controversy that happened. Um, and I was sitting there on set, you know, as they play the video package in the show, it's going to be full screen, but we were sitting in, in this record with a full studio audience. And I was sitting there in silence as we were watching this whole video package pay out, going through the, the controversy and how kind of, you know trying it was at the time and then it got to the point where they sort of announced and then Hex joined the show and the audience just burst into applause and it was just like a really, it was a really wonderful moment. I almost cried a little bit because, um, you know, I, I'll never forget what that was like at the time when, when I joined and it was, you know, it was so tough and people were being, you know, so ruthless in, in their reaction towards my presence on the show. Um, so it's really heartwarming now to be sitting here seven years later and to have such a lovely, um, you know, warm and uh, welcoming fan base.
0: All of this pre-Gamergate.
1: Yes, would you believe?
0: (laughs) Wow. Man, dudes can be the worst sometimes. Well... I just apologise for the male part of the human race. Yeah,
1: I mean, look, it, it was... A lot of it just had to do with the fact that they were hurt as well, and and I totally understand that. You know, everyone, it was a really difficult time for everyone, and a lot of the people that um, had sort of sent me nasty messages at the time later on came back and said, look, I just wanted to apologize. You know, I was one of the people that sort of sent you a mean message back in the day, and I just wanted to say that I think what you're doing is really great, and and I'm sorry. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, people can surprise you as well.
0: See that's really lovely. Mm. But how about not sending the message?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think well, people act in out the in instance. the moment. In the moment, people act out, and they feel like they need to be vigilantes on behalf of of someone else. And, and I get that it's something that happens as well.
0: You're being far too forgiving. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm intrigued to know, as someone who plays computer games for a living, and and then of course writes about them, talks about, them, and all of the effort that goes into to building the review packages, because it's not just play the game, do it. You guys are, uh, you know, recording sessions and then going through and and logging it and doing all of that sort of stuff. Do you ever play computer games just for fun anymore?
1: Um, It's much harder now than it used to be. Certainly in the beginning um, I did play recreationally a lot more, but I think um, as the show has expanded and as um, uh, both Bajo and my profile has expanded, we're doing a lot of extra work outside of Good Game. So on weekends mm. now we pre, we're, I mean this at the moment I'm I'm booked for conventions for the next six weekends in a row, Gosh. which is full on. Um, Bajo and I are also writing a series of children's books together, which um, mm. is so much fun. But uh, literary deadlines are also really intense, and on top of the writing that we do. <laughs> Um, and I've also been hosting another show as well called How to Be a Fan, um, sort of in and around my schedule with Good games. So it's pretty much pushed out all of the recreational gaming time that uh, I, <laughs> I used to have. I hope have, I'll be able to catch up on the holidays a little bit. But you know, part of the reason why my job is so great is that it sort of takes the guilty pleasure out of gaming, and, and I, I get to do it as part of my job. So not a week goes by where I'm not gaming. <laughs> anyway, so it's it's not so bad. <laughs>
0: Well, when you guys talk, and this is this is the thing that I that listeners may not acknowledge, when we talk about you guys playing the game to review it, you're not just putting the game in and playing it for half an hour. We're talking about you guys logging hours of console time or, or yeah. PC time. Yeah.
1: Well, I think. Um What's, what makes Good Game unique is that, um, you know, I, I, oftentimes we're a little bit up behind the eight ball competing with people who are putting reviews on websites, you know, the day the game releases. It takes us a week to make the show, but what we're able to craft in that w- week is something that's, um, you know, of a certain quality and, 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 and different in that we're putting together a review for broadcast television that's been really well edited and um, a lot of work and time has gone into it. Not to say that other people don't put time into their work. I just mean in terms sure. of crafting half an hour of television, there's a, lot. there's a lot that happens. So we try to really make that half hour of television something that people won't get somewhere else. So, yeah, when we when we play the game, we have usually uh, Thursday, Friday are our gaming review days and we play games all day. Um, and we uh, capture all of our game footage while we play. So that then when we go back and write the review, then we do a full footage log of how, how many hours, 8, 10... 20 yep. whatever hours of the game that we've played and we can reference every specific moment that we want to talk about in the review. So you can see that it was our character and our game footage and our multiplayer sessions that are, um, you know, the, what you're seeing on screen is, is what we were talking about and the experience that we had in the moment. So we're not just showing kind of B-roll footage or just, you know, random footage yes. of the game. They're, they're, we're really discussing our, you know, sort of unique experiences. And that's what I think, you know, makes the reviews quite special.
0: And and some of those um, personal touches that you guys add in, yeah. you know, from your multiplayer experiences and, and the gaming, are so funny.
1: Yeah, we're such good friends that I think, um, you know, it, that's also what what we have a lot of fun with is just sometimes, sometimes it's not the game that you enjoy the most, but the little the little mini games that you create within the game almost. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's, it's wonderful and let's be fair too you're not just creating good game with good game SP while there is some overlap of uh content that you can review you're still creating a whole other half hour program uh weekly that's for you know, as you talk about for younger gamers which i know my well now 11 year old and nine year old still dig in fact <laughs> dig more yeah um, yeah
1: it's I mean it's actually quite a luxury as a presenter to be able to um, have be on one program that has these kinds of um, you know more in depth adult discussions um, about games, and then the following day we shoot Spawn Point, and we can dress up in costumes and be silly and just you know have a really good time. So it's kind of a yeah. wonderful balance to be able to do that. But also, I think what's great about Spawn Point is that we've never really patronized kids in the way that we present the show. We're we're still using. Um, all of the gamer language that they want to hear, and um, yep. you know, imparting tips and ideas for them in Minecraft and Kerbal Space Program, and um, you know, really, um, you know, giving kids the benefit of the doubt that they're going to go out and find the solutions to a lot of problems that, that we point them in the direction of. And I think that's why they they really love it. They feel like they're part of something that's a little bit more. Um, I don't know. It's kind of a cool club where we can kind of figure things out together.
0: And the letters section has become mythical uh, in and of itself. Just the, well, not only the, the two for that you and Bajo or, or whoever else is hosting at the time, sitting there answering the kids letters. And, and that's excellent feedback. The interactivity that comes from that, the expectation that when they type emojis into their letters, or whether how how badly they spell words, you'll pronounce it the way. It's so great. Yeah,
1: we made the decision to read out every letter phonetically from the start, and I'm so glad we did that because <laughs> they're just so funny. It's so great. And, and they're just so adorable and wonderful, and 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 just the sheer like enthusiasm that that you know kids have. They you know there's there's no such thing as GamerGate in kids' lands. It's it's mm-hmm. just it's just this pure, unadulterated joy, and you know fan obsession for games and and for the show as well, which is so great.
0: It's an incredible enthusiasm. I I am a a particular fan of the running gag where whenever any of the kids refer to themselves as the Lord of or King of. Oh, and Bajo uh, has to do a special bow.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. And it's it's funny because
1: they will latch onto the smallest things. Like every, you know, um, every one of those things that's happened in the show has been driven by the kids, not us. It's something that Bajo will do maybe as an offhand thing. And then the kids will latch onto it and turn it into something bigger. So they, they see everything and they remember everything. And then that's how those moments are born because the kids love it and they latch onto them.
0: And they're so, they're so wonderfully descriptive and expressive and demanding in their letters. Yeah. I have written to you three times. Why have you not written back? Anyway, I have a question.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> it, it's a, it, a great transition for you talking about the fandom that exists around that, because your new series, this is, Steph all by herself. And I have to say, being marvelously explorative and incredibly vulnerable at times, How to Be a Fan with Hex is a great series.
1: Yeah, it was such an awesome opportunity and something that was still sort of within my wheelhouse in terms of things that I'm interested in and, um, you know, I'm curious about and maybe have had a little bit of experience with. But then there were some episodes that I was completely out of my depth as well. Um, but honestly, it's, you know, a Good Game is you know, always going to be my, you know, home. But I've been in the studio for seven years now, which is kind of a little dungeon in and of itself. So it was cool to kind of get this opportunity to go out and, and meet people and have conversations with people and find out a little bit about other people's lives and what makes them tick. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a really incredible opportunity. I, I learned a lot and I just really loved spending time with people. And it was a really good, feel-good experience as well because I was sort of stepping into these communities and um, fandoms where people often feel a bit maybe misunderstood by how society views them and really seeing the I suppose the kindness and love and the acceptance and openness that exists within these communities that makes you feel so welcome Mm.
0: and and it's a diverse range of communities that you touch on it's not like how to be a fan with hex step one do this it's each episode focusing in on Uh, a a different way that fans express their, their joy and their connection with various things, isn't
1: it? Yeah, absolutely. And look, there's even, I mean, the first episode looks at cosplay, which is something that I, you know, I have a lot of friends that cosplay and I go to conventions a lot. So I see it all the time and I see people that dress up as video game characters. So it's something I'm very close to, but it's not something that I've ever been involved in a lot myself because I didn't really, I didn't really understand the point of it, to be honest, which sounds a little strange or naive maybe, but for me to spend all of that money and all of that time on a costume you know at first i thought it was because people were entering in competitions and you can win a really big prize but the majority of people who cosplay don't enter the competition they're there to mm. just be there on the day and be there with their friends and you know show off this outfit and I, and i and i was like why why would you spend all that time and money and late nights for just one day and then you know maybe you'll never wear that outfit again i just didn't understand and and it was through this process that i realized that um, you know, it allows you to express yourself in, in a way that feels more truthful to who you are. And it allows you to share that love and passion with other people who are passionate about the same things. And I think what was the through line throughout the whole series is that it comes back to that sense of community and really being around other people that make you feel like the best version of yourself. And, I mean, how wonderful is that?
0: Yeah, look, I have to tell you, you made a rod for my back. My nine-year-old saw it. And she is very keen.
1: <laughs> You're gonna <to> be <laughs> she loved the dress up before. Soon, are you?
0: <laughs> oh, look, I can't throw to save myself. I think I'm about to learn how to aisle it at the well, very it's not, least.
1: Yeah, it's, and it's not just fabric. That's the thing. When you start getting into armor pieces, you have to start moulding warbler and things like that, and, and creating, um, you know, full armored bodysuits and stuff. It's crazy.
0: Here's a sheet. Be a ghost. <laughs> Not sure that will cut it. <laughs> no, no, it very much won't cut it. And I, look, I've uh, enjoyed seeing uh, a bunch of different cosplays in a lot of different settings. Of course, uh, people might not connect that the, the 501st, which is a great Star Wars cosplay. Uh, it's almost a religion, but a uh, global thing where guys dress up as Stormtroopers and Darth Vader and... Uh, those sorts of things. They've been around and they do a lot of charity work and those sorts of things as well. So it's not just fans in the context of a con. It can be much, much broader, can't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think also what's so great about it is that it's very inclusive. You know, a lot of mm. people will um, put their own spin on characters. They'll switch the gender of the character or they'll mash maybe yeah. three different characters together. Um, some people create their own characters from their own imagination or they'll dress as a character from some deviant art Piece that they saw online, you know, yep. if there's no rules and and everyone is so accepting, and I think I, in the episode one of my favorite uh, cosplays uh, is um, a woman who was dressed uh, as a kind of her own interpretation of Gandalf, which she called Glamdalf the Sexy, and yes. she wore a, a full beard and a wizard hat and then kind of a, a sort of a wrap top and a mini skirt. And some glasses and red lipstick. And it was just this wonderful amalgamation of ideas, but and yet still instantly recognizable. As soon as I saw her, I said, "I know who you are." That's not how I remember this character from the movie, but I like I like what you're doing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it really is. It really is fun, isn't it? And yeah, it's only limited by people's imagination. It's not a hard and fast rule. It's let's be. Let's. What's your take on this? Yeah. Like I think I, I saw um, some photos from a, a San Diego Comic Con either this year or last, uh, and there was a female Boba Fett um, where the armour was red, white, and blue. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, right. And I think also there's a, a an element of, um, uh, you know, sort of body inclusivity as well that's really great. You know, I think when you mm. look at a lot of comic book characters, they tend to be a very idealised form, and that might um, be a bit of a barrier for some people in terms of, you know, whether or not they're going to choose to portray that character. But I think from my experiences with the cosplay community is that you know there's, there's absolutely no um, rules or judgment on, on what anyone looks like or the colour of their skin or, or what character they choose to portray. It's just it, you're only limited, I suppose, by your own confidence. So if you can be involved in a community like that who can make you feel more confident, then I think mm-hmm. that's really great.
0: I have very limited options when it comes to cosplay. I've got uh, Rancor Keeper, <laughs> uh, Kingpin, or Jabba the Hutt. That's about <laughs> it.
1: Well, I mean, you know, every costume can be interpreted however you want. So, again, it's not about being as close to the source material as possible.
0: <laughs> but it helps to look like it, right? <laughs> Steph, what are you passionate about?
1: I'm passionate about escapism and, I suppose, human stories. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, from a young age, I've always been very imaginative. I've always been very creative. Um, I've never understood numbers. I struggled in that department. My, I've always been a bit of a daydreamer. So I suppose the way I consume literature and film and television and video games has always been in the search of a different world that I can spend time in. So that's something that I've always been passionate about and I hope to keep writing and I hope to keep, um, you know, exploring other worlds as as much as possible. But I also, especially through How to Be a Fan, have just um, really relished in in listening to other people and and hearing their experiences. So I hope that's something that I'll be able to continue to do as well.
0: Do you find that the things that have challenged you in the past uh, are they things you're happy to put aside or are they things that you continually, not battle with, but continually work? I want to overcome this or I want to beat, defeat this.
1: Sorry, could you say that again?
0: Do you find the things that have challenged you in the past, mm. are you happy to just put them on the shelf and say, that's fine, I can deal with that? Or uh, is it something, uh, are they things that at times you're like, no, no, I want to chew at this. I want to try and see if I can conquer it
1: of both I think I think there's some battles that you just need to um, to put aside because they're not worth fighting and other things that I I think are really important to draw to the attention of other of of people who um, you know feel threatened by them and um, and that sort of thing I mean when I first started on the show I think I was very um, very conscious of the image that I was presenting because I really felt like I had to prove myself in many ways and and um, justify my position on the show and prove my authenticity and I was working so hard to um, let people know that I was, <laughs> that I actually played games. It seems so silly that that was something mm. that I had to do but that's that was kind of the case. You know, now partly just from being comfortable on the show and, and feeling really confident in my own ability but also I think just having gotten a bit older, you know, I just don't care anymore. I am who I am. If If people don't believe that then that's, I mean, that's, that's their thing. Um, you know, I work really hard and I care a lot about what I do and I'm very passionate about what I do. So I don't feel like I need to kind of curate any specific image of myself in any way. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm definitely also passionate about um, female representation in video games and, um, and other kind of geek media. I think we're still a little, we have a little way to go before we can um, really say that it's a, a truly inclusive place for women um, yeah. There's heaps of strides that have been made in that area for sure, but, um, you know, I think, I think once we have more women at a school level getting involved in tech and programming and changing the sort of social condition that seems to happen around sort of adolescence that, that steers women away from that, we'll have more female developers that will then inform the kinds of games that we'll start to see being released, and um, I think it'll just be a, a better place for everyone.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's an interesting position that you're in, a fairly unique one, in that, and you know, I don't, I don't want to sound condescending, you're a, a young lady, a young woman, who is working in the media, and you are in a position where for a, a, a subset of your audience, you're the only woman they see on television, other than actresses.
1: Yeah, and I think what's really interesting is that, you know, when you look at the gender split between our audience from um, Spawn Point to our adult show, Good Game, um, it's starting to even out a little bit more, but it's pretty much 50-50 for Spawn Point, um, mm. and then for Good Game it's skewed a little bit towards the male audience. There's still something that's happening, I think, um, where, you know, kids kids don't see games as being for boys or for girls. They just, they just love them. Um, but... You know, I think, yeah, there's still a bit of a a sort of a social idea around um, the the tech industry and, and gaming being something that's not cool for girls, you know, when they sort of hit their teens or whatever. So that's a conversation I'd love to change. And hopefully even just by being on the show, you know, in some small way contributes to that.
0: What one thing would you change about your life today?
1: Oh, um, Oh, that's a really tough question. I'm pretty happy with my life. (laughs) I guess it's, I suppose it's just personal hangups and things that I have that I still, that everyone has, that everyone tries to get over. I'd love to be able to say that I'm, you know, the most confident person within myself and, you know, working in the media. But I I think I still have a lot of hurdles to get over in that department before I can be like the poster girl for like self-acceptance. So that's something that I would like yep. but I'd love to be able to change on a personal level. In terms of my life, uh, I don't know. I would just love I would love to be able to give more money to the ABC to do the great things that they do. Um, <laughs> yes. I'd love to I'd love to see more of the world. But that's mm-hmm. obviously a that's something that everyone would love to be able to do. I'm going to New Zealand at the end of the year. I'm very excited. I'm finally gonna finally Excellent. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. But, yeah, I mean, I have I have a pretty good life, so there's not a lot I would change, to be honest.
0: Well, you are, you are in a fairly high-pressure environment when it comes to appearance and those sorts of things. I, I can understand some vulnerabilities in that regard. Um, you know, the, the, the stupid saying that the camera puts on 10 pounds or whatever it <laughs> is is not helpful to anybody.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's just that I am um, – like, I'm a stress eater, so <laughs> – Throughout the year my weight fluctuates so much because like I will just go through phases of just like eating my feelings. And then when I watch the like at the end of the year they do a blooper reel where they cut together all shots from throughout the yes. year and you could just see like my weight going up and down. But that's stuff that I see. Like majority of people don't even notice that. You think, you know, and no one ever comments on it either. Like I mean maybe they do to themselves, but they people certainly never say it to me. It's all something that exists in my own, you know, sphere of insecurity at the end of the day the people watch good game for the games. They're not it's not a fashion show. It's not like they're not expecting yeah. to see Aaron McNaught on TV. That that's it really I'm in the best possible place for someone, you know, in terms of being judged on their appearance, I d I don't really have a lot of it. Um but, you know, everyone has their own stuff, so <laughs> I'll try and I'll try and work on it in my own time.
0: Where did um the the side braids that you have in your hair Come from the idea for that. Was that yours or one of the, the hair and makeup ladies?
1: Oh, that. So have you seen a show called Vikings?
0: Oh, I have seen all of it so far. Yes, ma'am. Yes.
1: So I um, I have a bit of an obsession with Viking culture and Norse culture in general. My um, my surname, Great. Bendixson, is Danish. So I like to think yep. that I'm clearly descended from Vikings because we, Naturally. Can, we can trace our family history pretty far back. Not Not Viking far, but I mean, I'm just connecting those dots myself. Um, so yeah, I think um, you know when the when the show Vikings launched and it really showed men and women in that culture as being um, almost equal, really, which is very unusual. For you know, because I love medieval history and I love period mm-hmm. pieces, but often the role of women in those shows is a little unfortunate because of just that was how the time was. Um, but they have you know from archaeological digs and stuff, they've discovered you know women buried with swords and shields, and they they know for a fact that that. Um, In Viking culture, women fought alongside men and women had a lot of rights and could divorce and, you know, own land themselves and things like that. So they really took that and ran with it when they created Vikings. And the character of Lagertha is one of the most
0: incredible,
1: strong, butt-kicking female characters on television that I've ever seen uh, next to Starbuck. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) yeah, it it was just I was so enamored with her that I started to, um, to channel her through my hairstyles you know, reflecting the ones that she would wear in the show, and it became a bit of a signature thing. So, I um, I can't do them myself unfortunately, but I have a very lovely hair and makeup lady who does them for me.
0: The hair, like in that part of the side of your head, can get like, you must have to grow that out because that would hurt like all nose, having to, to to do that up as tightly and neatly as it is. Oh
1: no, she's very clever. She just she just I don't even notice it. Yeah, it's awesome.
0: Just sticky tapes it on. <laughs>
1: She just has very gentle fingers. <laughs> she just like she just weaves them super quickly and then ties them off and and it's, yeah and it's done. But then I feel like nice. for the rest of the day I'm I'm channeling a bit of warrior woman and it gives me a bit of confidence and makes me feel like I'm I'm I've got a little piece of Lagatha <laughs> that I'm channeling, putting out into the world,
0: which is always great on studio day.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> Where is the line between public and private for you?
1: I've always been a bit of like a bit of an open book, to be honest. There's not a lot that I'm not willing to talk about or sort of share. Out of necessity, I try to like, you know not let people know where I live and stuff like that, like basic stuff like sure. that, but there's not a lot that I won't share. Um, I've only just released, recently sort of started sharing my um, relationship online very loosely. I try not to do it too much because um. I think more for his sake than anything else. He doesn't really want to be on, on display too much. But for a long time, I kept my relationship. Um, I've been with my partner for, for about four years, four, mm. and a half, four and a half years. And for a long time, I kept it um, sort of a private or a bit of a secret, I suppose, because I just didn't really want to be thought of as someone's girlfriend or attached to someone else. But then it became such a big part of my life. It seemed weird that I was so open with everything else and then and keeping that a secret. And then I would go on these really long trips and um, I was in all of these photos in these amazing places and people would be like, who's taking these pictures? <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, ghost, you <laughs> know? Yeah, I think it just got to a point where you know there was just too many uh, adorable photos of of him with with cats on him that, that I wanted to share, so I just started doing that. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's not a, there's not a lot that I that I won't share with people. I think it's really important for people to see that you're a human person and that you're not this weird kind of TV facade. And um, yes, I think it's important to show you in all various states of unmade-up disheveledness and doing normal things and Making mistakes and stuff like that because then you know people feel like they can relate to you more, which I think is really important.
0: Mm. Yeah, totally. What suggestions would you make for someone that was looking for a new game to obsess about?
1: Oh, well, it well, it depends on what kind of games they like, so um. If they're sort of new to games in general, I would maybe recommend some um, uh, games that have a sort of low barrier for entry in terms of controls, something like Journey Mm. or Absu or uh, a point-and-click adventure that has um, quite a strong narrative focus, something from the Telltale series, either Walking Dead or um, The Wolf Among Us, or maybe one of those kind of indie point-and-click ones like Gone Home that I really, really love, and I love recommending that game to people. Oh, yeah. Um, Or something like uh, Until Dawn, which is a little bit easier on the control side of things and is more about narrative choice. Or uh, what else was I going to say? Until Dawn. Oh, um, uh, Life is Strange. That was another really great one. So, that's, there's, yep. there's heaps of games that I can recommend to people if they're kind of new to games in general and, and maybe aren't aware of the kinds of things that are out there outside of Call of Duty and GTA, you know? <laughs> Which is surpri- <laughs> surprising, but people still, some people think that's all the games are. Um, but if I was to suggest something that people are wanting to kind of obsess over and they have experience with games, I would suggest my favorite game of all time, The Witcher 3, um, because it is such a huge, huge. Uh, incredible open fantasy world that that just offers up so much. There's hours and hours, including the DLC. There is like hundreds upon hundreds of hours of gameplay there, but the world is so rich and none of it is padding. Every little tiny side quest you do in that game has some incredible story woven into it and mystery and investigation. And it's just such a, a beautifully built world. As a big fantasy fan, it really just... It is everything I've ever wanted in a video game. And... I just love it. <laughs> so I can't go past that. Um, and then, you know, there's so many great action adventure games as well, Tomb Raider Uncharted as well, that that yeah. I would always recommend to people because they're so cinematic, I think. And, and it, mm-hmm. it really is a great um, example of, of, you know, where modern games are going in terms of motion capture, you know, cinematography and gameplay. Um, and just really great action.
0: <laughs> yeah, in your short seven-year career on screen, you've also seen the rise and strangulation of the market of mobile gaming.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think it's been really interesting to see how that has kind of put the brakes on um, portable gaming platforms as well. You know, I think people don't really see yeah. the point of um, carrying a handheld device around if they can just play games on their phone. Um, I was never really a portable gamer to begin with. It's not something that I particularly like to do in transit, and I suppose I don't really have a long commute to work. Um, but, you know, they say that most people play the PlayStation Vita on their couch. You know, if I'm going to play at home, I'm going to use my expensive rig and play a game on that. Yeah, one of the consoles that I paid hundreds of dollars for. I'm not going to, um, you know, play a portable game on my couch. And so then when I'm out and about, you know, if I'm going to play anything, it would be something small and digestible that I can play between bus stops, and that would be something like... Um, Lara Croft Go or, you know, Tricky Towers or something like that. You know, just something that's, um, something that's you know, really small and easy and quick and you can just have a quick few goes of it. And that's what mobile gaming is really great for.
0: I'm very much looking forward to Super Mario Run. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> well, the good thing about mobile games as well is that I think we do quite well in terms of the um, the development scene in Australia. Um, mm, yeah. The environment have just have really excelled, I think, um, in terms of um, being one of the strongest Aussie developers that we have. So that's something that we can really be proud of, I think.
0: Steph, what are you going to achieve in the next 12 months?
1: Um, well, Hobbiton is an achievement. Yes, check. <laughs> um, I would really love to see How to Be a Fan get season two. Mm. Um, I will have completed the final uh, book, We've been commissioned for four books in the book series that I'm running with Bajo Pants, Bajo Pants, Bajo so far. Um, And uh, we'll have that completed by then, so um, that'll be really exciting. And I really hope to be able to, I guess, reach even more regional locations in terms of um, the various game jams and... uh, conventions that I go to because that's something that I find really rewarding people that can't often get to major cities to go to the bigger conventions and stuff like that we have an opportunity to go to travel some of those more regional places and, and meet with people and talk to them and I really enjoy that as well um but yeah I just I really as I said I, I've got a pretty good life and I really enjoy what I'm doing so I hope that I can keep doing that
0: Hi hey Steph mm. Thank you so much for the chance to speak with you today. Please know the things that you've said are very special and you're highly valued. Thank you so much. Oh,
1: thank you so much for having me. (laughs) It's a pleasure to talk to you anytime.
0: You're wonderful. Thank you. Very clearly you do tweet on the odd occasion. Um, Are there other social media accounts that you would want people to know about?
1: Uh, Yes. I'm probably most active on Instagram because I'm very visual and I like taking pictures. So Mm -hmm. I'm on Instagram as HexDev. Um, uh, I have a Pinterest page. If you like Pinterest, I just, I I pin a lot of pictures of forests um, because I love forests. Um, What else? I have a Facebook page as well, um, Stephanie Hex Bendixson, so you can find me on that. And I generally post more sort of gaming-related updates there and things that I'm doing um, and appearances and stuff. And I have a website, stephaniebendixson.com, and I list all my various appearances and things and updates and
0: stuff on there as well. Yes, I did notice that your calendar was very busy and very full.
1: Mm, mm, It's good, though. It's fun. It's fun to be able to be doing things and and having cool discussions with people.
0: Better that than not, right? Yeah, totally. (laughs) If people want to see uh, Good Game, Good Game SP, or How to Be a Fan with Hex, how can they track them down?
1: Good Game, our adult show, airs on Tuesday nights at 8.30pm on ABC2. Uh, Good Game Spawn Point, our show for younger gamers, airs on Saturday at, I think, 9.30am and it's repeated throughout the week as well. Uh, sorry, on ABC Me, I believe it is now. And And yes. uh, How to Be a Fan is on iView. The whole season, all seven episodes, they're about 12 to 15 minutes, very bingeable, I would say. Mm. Uh, so you can go onto iView either through your digital set-top box or you can just go to the iView um, uh, website in your browser and just watch it through your browser as well.
0: And not not just the seven eps, but also your Blade Runner fan film. Oh, yes,
1: Dangerous Nights.
0: which was really good it
1: was really fun to make it was probably the most the toughest shoot I've ever been on but it was a really really great learning experience in terms of um how hard it is for people on the other side of the lens you know I kind of just turn up and and um and do what I'm told when I'm on a shoot like that but in that in that situation I had to tell everyone else what to do and it was exhausting (laughs) <laughs>
0: I can oh, sure it was exhausting telling people what to do. <laughs>
1: well, it is, especially when you're under time constraints and everyone's like, "We're going overtime, and it's costing money." It's very stressful.
0: That is the worst. No, oh gosh, I'm no telling. not be throwing we made it around. For, <laughs> um, for those that are keen to see it, the 10th anniversary uh, episode, the special that we spoke about, is going to air. Well, this is releasing Monday. So Tuesday, the next day, uh, podcast time, you'll be able to get it, and of course that'll be on ABC iView as well, Steph. Yes,
1: it will be the actually actually the tenth anniversary special is going to be on earlier than our usual time slot of eight thirty. The tenth anniversary special is actually airing at seven thirty on Tuesday, and it's a four Great. hour episode.
0: Well, no one needs to see whatever was on before it. I mean, let's let's be frank. Good came can bump those things out of the way anytime it likes.
1: It's true, that's true.
0: This has been humans of Twitter. And I can confirm that at heck Steph is indeed human.
1: <laughs> or am I a Cylon? <laughs> <laughs>